Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where it's just me, no one else is here, no McKay, no Jared, no Jessica, no Josh, it's just me and Dave Butler talking about his new book, uh, The Kidnap Plot, which has a much longer extensive title, um, which is escaping me in this exact moment. No, no, that's the title of the book. There's a series title. Yes. Uh, the series title is The Extraordinary Journeys of Clockwork Charlie. That's right. Yeah, and then there's the history to that title. Um, we struggled to get a series title and, and uh, uh, eventually landed on that. There, there's history we could talk about. But the book is called The Kidnap Plot. You're yeah. right. Absolutely. So what does The Kidnap Plot, you know, what what is the book about and why the name The Kidnap Plot? Oh, yeah. So um, I actually struggled uh, finding a, a title for the book originally. Okay. My, my working title, not my working title, when I first had the idea and I started putting together notes, I was using the sort of um, project name Steampunk Inokio, which okay. angered my writing group. Was, you cannot possibly name the book that. And I said, no, it's not. that's not the title. I just don't have a title. Yeah. Um, so look, like, like a good title, like any good title, that means more than one thing in uh, terms of the plot. Okay. Okay. So this is a story that involves kidnapping. Yeah. Uh, so here's the pitch. I just, last weekend I was in Denver Comic Con all weekend and uh, I was telling you I sold 45 copies by hand. You got to, awesome. it's really good. You got to stand there and you say, hey, you look like a reader and uh, come over here and let's talk. But here's the pitch. Here's yes. the pitch. Okay. Uh, this is a story about Charlie. Charlie is a reader, but he is not allowed outside of the house until one day his father is kidnapped and Charlie has to organize the rescue mission. It's a story about warrior pixies and heartbroken troll lawyers and a hero with a secret even he does not know. Wow. Yeah. That's that's the pitch. I said that approximately a bazillion no times last weekend. No wonder he sold 40 bu- 47 <laughs> books. I mean, that that just like immediately like, okay, I need to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, an adventure story. It is. I mean, that, that's kind of an interesting thing. So he's he's never been outside the house, really. Yep. Like he's allowed in the alley once in a while okay. to take laundry next door. Yeah. That's it. And then the dad's gone. Yep. So pretty much it's like, oh, I could have free reign. But yeah. then you, kind of that, what do I do? Now i got to save dad. Well, he's kidnapped. And this is a boy who reads adventure stories. Uh, okay. He reads late at night. He reads all the time. Uh, and he... Uh, he thinks in terms of adventure stories. This is a fan of Jim Hawkins of Treasure Island and the nice. stories of Edgar Allan Poe. And, uh, and, uh, 
And, and so he witnesses his father being kidnapped. His father protects, uh, protects Charlie from the kidnappers. Charlie's basically hiding, watching his dad being taken by uh, a group of, of trolls okay. and other surly thug types. Uh, and, uh, and so Charlie's always wanted to be an adventurer, and this is his chance. And one of the arcs, one of the subplots, one of the themes of the story is Charlie growing into the role of adventurer. Growing, growing from the role of the, the passive witness who's hiding and scared and mm-hmm. wanting to be an adventurer to the hero who says, look, no one else can do this, but I can. Yeah. This is my time uh, and, and uh, full-blown uh, action hero mold, exploding buildings and flying yeah. uh, you know, aircraft, jumping from ship to ship, and it's, it's a lot of fun. That's interesting. So, I mean, kind of going with the tropes in that, so is Charlie's dad the Guardian? And he, you're getting rid of him early, or is huh. there another type of guardian there that yeah. kind of gets him on his journey? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, so um, uh, there's a problem, uh, or not a problem, there's a challenge. If you're writing for young readers, mm-hmm. so this is not an issue so much for young adults, but if you're writing a book that, that middle readers are going to read, so we're talking about 8 to 14 yeah. here, and that's that's who the sort of the main intended audience of this story is, although I hope that I've written a book that's dense enough and interesting enough that adults will like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I like it, and I, you know, I, I think I like uh, interesting books. So, yeah. um, But what a challenge in writing stories for middle readers is what do you do with the grown-ups? Because if the grown-ups are all around, and they are healthy, and they are functioning, and they are protecting children like a normal, reasonable grown-up should, yeah. there's no story. Yeah. Because, like, something scary happens, whoop, the grown-up protects you. Yes. Right? So, so how do you deal with it? Well, you know, you do uh, the orphan. So Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Harry Potter is an orphan. His step-parents are atrocious to him, the Dursleys. Uh, or you've got uh, Percy Jackson. Not quite an orphan, but single mom, uh, stepdad, or I, or I can't remember if the character Gabe is a stepdad or dating his mom, whatever he boyfriend. is. It's a boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yeah. He's a jerk. Yep. Right? Now, now by the way, later on, maybe... We see his point of view more, but yeah. as the story begins, there are no adults to help Percy. Correct. That's the point. So that's that's Charlie too. So you know, uh, Charlie's dad is uh, loving and protective, and there are reasons why he's loving and and protective the way he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, Charlie has to be the one. So the sort of inciting incident, the call to adventures, Charlie's dad is taken. And there are clues. And Charlie actually organizes the rescue party. Now, he does have a sort of, uh, he has peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he collects a couple of chimney sweep adventurers who actually break in after his father is kidnapped to burgle the shop. Uh, and, and he recruits them uh, and, uh, and, and a few others, including there, there, is a, there is a troll who is one of his father's clients who is a lawyer. He's a law speaker. And, uh, and he, uh, in fact, he even says of himself, uh, and loco parentis. I'm look. I'm dad now, yeah. right? You're, we'll, we'll go find your dad. I'm dad now. Uh, and so again, part of the story is uh, how even that guardian, that father figure, protective and helpful as he is, ultimately restrains Charlie. And there's a point where Charlie has to grow beyond him, yeah. right? And say, you know, and and the, and the guardian has to acknowledge, uh, you know, I, the truth is, you you didn't need me. You certainly don't need me now. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it's, it, it does have a, you know, all stories have tropes, all stories have yeah. tropes. I like to turn them on their heads though. So here's an example. Um, there is, uh, actually I've borrowed a, a, 
a page from Tolkien here. Okay. Okay. So um, Eowyn in The Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. is, I think, one of the uh, least appreciated characters. Okay. Eowyn is actually a classic fairy tale prince. So she is the character who uh, she's uh, she's the she's the niece, right? She's not the daughter. She's the niece of yeah. Theoden. Uh, but the kingdom is sick. It is under a plague. Mysterious strangers come. A decision has to be made. The prince has to go to a distant land uh, and accomplish a great feat to be able to then uh, heal the kingdom and assume the throne. And the prince's reward will be to get married. Well, that's Eowyn, yeah. right? She is she is the prince, hmm. a fairy tale prince. I've done the same thing. There's a there's a uh, there's a pixie. So in this world, this is set in a London in 1887, but it's a fantasy London. And it's a steam. I mean, we yeah. have trolls already, right? It's yeah. a fantasy and a steampunk London, uh, and there are pixies, and pixies are uh, harmed by water. Okay. Uh, and uh, I say that deliberately vaguely because it's in book two that we see some of the details of what happens when a pixie gets wet. Uh, it's not gremlins. It's okay. a diff- different kind of I was of starting harm. to think that. <laughs> yeah, Mogwai. Mogwai, yep. Uh, no, so, um, uh, but they are, they are a heroic, really a sort of Bronze Age or Iron Age society. They're, okay. they're, they select their rulers by, uh, by, by the acclamation of the warrior throng, by, by the clang of spear against shield, right? And they are matriarchal. So, okay. uh, so this pixie, whose name is Natalie de Minimus, uh, or Nat, um, claims descent from, from uh, Boudicca. Right, uh, who of course in real life is a, a Celtic uh, warrior leader who uh, who goes around uh, murdering, or murdering, killing, killing a bunch of Romans after uh, her daughters are assaulted. Okay. So uh, so 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 Nat, like Eowyn, is a is a straight up fairy tale prince. Uh, her throne is taken away, her love is taken away, and she has to accomplish uh, three great deeds mm-hmm. to be able to have the standing to. Uh, to reclaim them, to challenge her wicked cousin, uh, and uh, and take her throne back. Nice, that's kind of that's kind of cool. So, you, you you did mention this. So it is set in London. Yes, but it's a little different because we, it's steampunk. So we still got that Victorian era there, but yep. there's also magic. Yep. Um, we got trolls. Now, with you being a lawyer in your past life, yeah, um, was that fun? Writing up the lawyer troll. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Actually, my friend David West read the book to his kids, and he he texted me to say, "I got to tell you, after about two chapters, every time I read this character, I heard your voice uh, in my <laughs> head." Uh, so yeah, Grim Grumbleson is a uh, is a he's a law speaker. So um, look, one of the things I love to do in world building is to to think and to write anthropologically. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are trolls, there are dwarfs, there are kobolds, there are pixies. Each of these people has different names, uh, but it's not just a matter of how many hit dice do they have and what's their form of attack. They've mm-hmm. got we're on a game blog after yeah. all, right? Okay, uh, or podcast. Um, uh, they have radically different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they face radically different challenges. So the trolls are the best integrated people in in London's and England's population. They mostly live among humankind, okay. um, but they but they have their own uh, legal system. Uh, justice is uh, so laws are made and uh, cases are brought by law speakers at a gathering of the adult trolls called the Thing. Right. Okay. And this is bar. This is Scandinavian borrowing here. Yeah. And uh, 
and Grimm is a uh, Grimm is a law speaker, uh, and he comes into the story because he uh, he wants to uh, also qualify as a solicitor and practice law for human clients. But he actually feels terribly conflicted about this because he is a troll, but he's a troll in a Scandinavian mode. He's a holder, so he's he's eight feet tall, and he has bull's horns and ears and a bull's tail. Okay, uh, but the women of his species look like human, tall, blonde human women. Except they have a cowtail. Okay. Right? So they have they have a, a a dramatic they have two dramatic problems. Yeah. And Grim Grim affronts them both. One is uh, an assimilation problem because because it turns out that troll women like human men, right? Because they don't smell as much and yeah. they're not two feet taller and whatever and whatever and have and, horns and, and have horns. Yeah. And Grim has had his heart broken. Right, Grim was Grim was uh, engaged and his and his and had his heart broken. And the other problem they have is trolls are all uh, lactose, dramatically lactose intolerant, uh, which means for su- for some of them, drink milk like an intoxicant, like, okay. like it knocks them out. Yeah. So they have dairies uh, where you have carved wooden beds like an opium bed, and and trolls drink gorge on milk and lie there in a in a buzzing <laughs> stupor. That's awesome, right? Yeah, so so Grimm not only has his heart broken, mm-hmm. but his 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 former betrothed has taken up with a uh, with a human who who owns a dairy. Oh yay! Right, uh, Sal, who's kind of it's all the the most of the book plays out in East London in Whitechapel, uh, and uh, uh, so so Grimm to make a living needs human. There aren't enough trolls to make a living, so he needs human clients, uh, and he comes into the picture uh, really right right in the first pages. As a client for Charlie's dad, Charlie's dad's an inventor, and Charlie's dad has invented an eyepiece that will let him read, let uh, Grimm read smaller type, so he can practice law. He can be a solicitor for humans and human clients, mm-hmm. right? But then, of course, he gets tangled up in Charlie and Charlie's quest, and uh, and ultimately his own subplots. Nice. I, I like the differences with the races and stuff like that. You've got the warrior pixies, yeah. you've got the the lawyer type trolls, but they also get intoxicated off of milk so very interesting but it also sounds fun for kids as well because you know they dr- kids drink milk and they don't need to know alcohol and stuff like that so that's awesome right it's that interesting line where on the one hand <clears throat> so Grimm has very adult subplots yeah. his, his, like like can I make a living mm-hmm. um, my heart has been broken by the person I love yeah uh, my people are ruining themselves because this is his view, right? Mm-hmm. Because because they they're because they're marrying strangers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and uh, and they're an endemic drug problem. I mean, that's a really human set of yeah. problems. But you see it through Charlie's eyes and through this kind of uh, this 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 disguising where you know it's not opium, it's milk, yeah, right? Uh, and uh, so it's. Um, it's fun. I mean, I try to write a meaningful book, a serious book, a real book, uh, an adventure book, uh, but one that my eight-year-old has read and yeah. really likes. Well, and it's also something younger kids can relate to. They can relate to having their heart broken, whether yeah. it's you know a sibling taking a toy away or yep. a, a good friend that lived next door moves away, uh, you know, and they yep. can see mom and dad struggling with this or that. I mean, kids are pretty smart nowadays and yep. they they can identify those things. So that's that's great. Yep. So book one's out. It's yep. available now to purchase. It is. How many more are in the series? Good question. So uh there are at least two answers. Okay. So uh first of all, there is a um 
the, the, I got a three book contract. Okay. And I and book two is in proofing now. It's called the Giant's Seat. It'll be out, I presume, in about a year. Um, and we get a really good close up look at dwarfs and how nice. they. Uh, uh, their sort of secretive nature and why they're secretive and their symbiotic relationship with their tassel-eared cat, uh, and uh, and and they're they're a lot of fun to write. Um, and uh, book three is is written. It's a rough draft, so okay. I will probably turn that into my editor. In my guess is she hasn't asked for it. But my guess is September, uh, and I will probably have to do revisions on it for a few weeks before I yeah. I turn it in. So, having said that. That book does not finish the series. That book emphatically does not end with Charlie stopping. Charlie is still in motion. Yeah. Uh, the the threat uh, posed by Charlie's enemies is still there. So um, what I what I hope is that it'll ultimately be six books. I've asked, I will propose that to the editor. It, it's going to depend on how many. Well, I don't know whether it depends. So whether Knopf is interested in publishing four, five, and six will probably depend on how many copies book one. Sells. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, one advantage to my being an indie writer uh, is I, even if cannot for some reason decide they didn't want to, and that is not plan A. Plan A is yeah. I hope they do. But if they decide, I, I would, I would prefer to finish the series with that. Uh, e- even even with another publisher, if I had to, even by myself, right? I know how to do that. I, it, it is a six book series. By book three, Charlie is still learning important secrets about himself mm-hmm. and his nature and what he needs to do. Really, there is you know there are climaxes in in book five uh, and then in book six to bring the story around uh, full circle. I think we'll get there. I, I I think it's hard to know. I think we're seeing good results in this first week. I think Kanaf is excited about me, uh, but it's somewhat out of my control. Mm-hmm. Now, was this completely different? For, to write compared to your other ones like you know rock band <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> um less than you might think okay really so um there are a couple issues you know i mean there's, obviously there's stuff that you don't that you would okay so like in rock band fights evil in yeah. book two there's a scene where there's a waitress who gives birth to a bunch of flying snakes and yeah. one of the characters shoots her to put her out of her misery right like that's not going in a kid's novel yeah uh, so there, there are some, there are a lot more lines that I would not want to cross. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, less, less, um, uh, that, that is less about what defines middle reader books because you can write books for young readers that cross lines. Okay. Um, I wouldn't cross that one, but you can. The, the more distinctive thing is to write is what you should include, what affirmatively ought to go in a middle reader book to okay. make it a middle reader book. So to kind of circle back around to the point we were talking about and and the idea of plots that a young reader can relate to, um, the the basic theme of most middle reader books is independence. Okay. And in the same way, the basic theme of most young adult books is identity because the, the readers... Uh, uh, almost by definition, um, are, are interacting with that issue in their own lives, right? Yeah. You're 8, you're 10, you're 12. It's, I want to go to the store myself, right? Or, or, yeah, I can go do whatever without you. Or, yeah, I'll go ahead and make myself breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on your age and your kid, whatever. Uh, when you are 15, it's, you know, well, what am I going to do in the world? And what do I do facing... Uh, you know about love and about work and about so 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 those are young adult issues 
independence is really the big issue for middle readers. So this is this is Charlie, um, especially in book one. Uh, so to sort of nest an observation, it is, is common for big middle reader series to start as a middle reader and become young adult. Harry mm-hmm. Potter did this. Yeah. Percy Jackson did this. Charlie's actually doing it too, although it's less obvious for reasons I can't tell you because they're not spoilers. But in book one, independence is really his quest, his his plot, and it's he's not allowed outside the house, and he really wants to, but then yeah. he goes and does it, and it scares him, and then and then bad things happen, and it's his fault, and he, and he has to try and go outside the house again to fix the problem. Yeah. And so by the end, he's gone from being uh, the kid who was scared and bullied by people in in the you know the the older boys in the alley when they see him on the rare occasions they see him to being an action hero mm-hmm. right who who is who has learned astonishing things about himself um so book 2 his subplots are less about independence although there's there is still some of that and i, I can't tell you it's really okay. awesome but there are spoilers if i tell you uh uh and it becomes more about well who am i um why do i exist uh and and what should i do about that Right. Yeah. Uh, so that becomes more young adult, more even kind of universal sorts of themes. So uh, I think some young adult, some middle reader authors, I think they write simpler, dumber books, and I think that's a mistake. So the kidnap plot is short, but it's quite dense. Mm-hmm. There are there are a lot of subplots. Uh, it's also pretty much nonstop. Uh, action yeah yeah and like i said some of the subplots are quite serious and the threats to the main characters are very real from from chapter three you know life is on the line and it does not end well for for everybody right i i think it's a real i i think it's a mistake to condescend to middle readers you end up writing a kind of a filler book that cannot last I think uh, I think it's a mistake to condescend to any audience. I think if yeah. you condescend to your audience, you get an audience of people who want to be condescended to. Yeah. Right. So so I don't. So it is every bit as complex in in plotting uh, and and uh, varied in character as the other stuff. Shorter than some of it, you know, sixty thousand words makes it a makes it short for a novel. Yeah. Um, but but that's it. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, at least with my kids, when I see them reading books, the more complicated ones, it seems like they're the ones that they gravitate towards and they enjoy more. You know, most often when it's a book that's not so interesting, it's like, so tell me about it. Uh, it's okay. I enjoyed reading it. Where compared to, you know, so tell, you know, it's a more complicated one. They're just like spouting off like, oh, there was really cool about yeah. this and this and this. And they're just going back and forth and they're excited. So, you know, I definitely think, especially... I mean, it, maybe it's just me, but it seems like kids nowadays need that. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff that's just easily accessible. I mean, video yeah. games are on your phone or right. uh, nearby. They can just sit there, play for hours. Right. Something that pulls them in, draws them in, and gets their attention, like, d- you know, dense yep. uh, books and uh, plots and that really pulls them in and gets their attention more, at least in my opinion. That's so, the hope. So far, so good, you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. So I'm I'm excited. So six books. Six books. Yeah. That that that's uh, kind of a big task. It is a big it is a big task. Um, and uh, and the the books have to move. Mm-hmm. Um, so the series title. I yeah. mentioned this earlier. I want to talk about it. We had a hard time coming up with a series title. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I called it when I submitted the book. It was something dumb. I've forgotten it. I've got it on my hard drive somewhere. Um, 
But the editor, uh, uh, who was who was wonderful, uh, she said, "Well, think of a um, th- think of a, a better series title. You yeah. know, something like His Dark Materials." By the way, every time like she wants me to do something better, she says, "Think about His Dark Materials." So, <laughs> so I think that's I think that's the archetype in her head. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, okay, His Dark Materials. That's like a Milton quote. So I went and I reread Milton, and I couldn't find anything that. Yeah. I'd, but then I went and read William Blake, and I and I said, like, "All right, these don't. I don't love these, but here's half a dozen, you know, kind of poetic phrases." And she shot them all down, and she said, uh, "Well, we'll just call it the Adventures of Clockwork Charlie." Uh, okay, it felt a little a little weak sauce to me, but then I was reminded. So Jules Verne, Jules Verne wrote all of his novels in one series. They were wow. published by one publisher. Written in one series, uh, different characters, one series, yeah. and and the series is called uh, Les Voyages Extraordinaires, the extraordinary journeys, right? Uh, because because Verne, and this is this is uh, this fact has a big impact on steampunk literature, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and and movies and fashion, etc. Verne lived in the great age of travel, yeah, right. This and and you see all of his books. All of his books reflect that. They all are a journey. Yep. There's a there's a journey in a you know a journey in a dog sled across the Siberian uh, steppe, or there's around the world ninety days, yep. or there's center under the, the sea, the center of the earth to, to the, the moon. moon yep. Right? They're all journeys, and that's because like for the first time, you know, technology and expanding knowledge of geography meant that people who who you know you, if you had the wealth or the means or or you were just bold. Mm-hmm. Enough could go anywhere, yeah, right, and reasonably fast. Um, and uh, you know, Vern's around the world in eighty days. I mean, he he thought he was writing, uh, he was writing to the best of his knowledge within the parameters of science, yeah. right? So he so his book Around the World in eighty days was in was in the nature of a challenge that uh, a bet that one could do it, yeah. Uh, and and uh, a few years later, two two women, Nellie Bly and I forget the name of the other one, about the same time started out and and did do it, uh, um, actually traveling opposite directions around the globe. I forgot the name of the other woman, and she's much less famous than Nellie Bly. So um, so the extraordinary journeys. Now now all of my writings have um, Easter eggs and homages and references to. Other other things, especially books. Yeah. So that if you if you know, if you catch the reference, there are a lot of references to stuff. The kidnap plot is is no different. I mean, starting with for uh, starting with for example the character. Okay, because because uh, because uh, Prince Pondicherry. Uh, so the character's name is Charlie Pondicherry. Prince Pondicherry is a uh, a character Willy Wonka talks about in the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nice. Right. So. So uh, there's a rolled doll uh, right up there, but the series title is an homage to Jules Verne. Okay, uh, and, and which is which is awesome. Uh, and another awesome thing is that it really commits me to continually keeping the character in motion, their action stories, and looking for ways to show Charlie journeying to exotic places. So book two is in Wales. Uh, it's it's out in the wilderness. This is like a good. We're kind of talking about guardians of the border and stuff. This yeah. is a good kind of hero's journey motif. You know, the, the hero goes out in the wilderness to learn stuff yeah. and before he returns. I mean, that's even, you know, Moses in the wilderness and Jesus in the 40 days and stuff. So uh, Charlie goes to Wales. Uh, and you've got, you know, uh, 
riding on the backs of goats uh, and you've got, uh, you know, uh, airships and other unusual modes of travel built into that. And then Book 3 I wrote is set in Germany uh, and involves, you know, steam-powered two-legged walkers and Sweet. other stuff. So in Book 4, which I have not written, but next spring, mm. but the plan is uh, Punjab. Punjab. All so right. uh, the area that has become India and uh, Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, which is where Charlie at least believes his father is from. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to follow a trail through Egypt to Punjab for book four. And at least in that time period, that was controlled by England. So It that, was that, controlled that by England. Now, now, the story is a little bit... Yeah, and that will lead us by through there to Russia, which histor- there's, a, this is, there's real history here. England and Russia uh, dueled it out in what they called at the time the great game for decades okay. uh, over controlling, in particular, oil resources uh, in, in that region, yeah. right? Uh, other resources too, but, but including oil. So you're talking about Iran and you're talking about northern India. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, the story is going to follow the great game. It's going to go India and then back to Russia and then back around to England, that's my six-book plan. It, okay. will, it will go in a, in a full circle. The last book will be in London. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited about that. that that's, that's great. So the book can be picked up pretty much anywhere then? Yeah, Because it you can have be. a big publisher. I do. There are, ten, there are 10 copies in the, if you live in Salt Lake City, there are 10 copies in the Sugar House Barnes & Noble, which I'm going to go autograph this afternoon. Nice. Uh, uh, Orem had three copies last week. I signed them. I think they sold out. So I'm gonna. Well, I get copies again. I'll go. I'll go sign them. Uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, you know the, the cover price is seventeen dollars, and Barnes and Noble is, uh, or sorry, Amazon is uh, seriously going for volume because they're pricing it nine sixty five right now. Wow. So it is. It is a you know a three hundred page hardbound book. Really nice. Uh, super cheap right now on Amazon. So uh, I mean that's. Seven dollars off, you can get it for ten bucks. Right. So run out and grab it. That's an awesome deal, to be yeah. honest, for a hardbound book. It is. It is. So all right. So go out there. Let's get Dave up there on you know the best seller because uh, you, know, you want to be. I want to be. Yeah. Because yeah. because because I want to finish the story with Knopf. Yes. Because I want to write the whole thing six, six books. books. We don't want three. We want six. Yeah. So run out, grab your copy. I mean, ten dollars on Amazon. You can't beat that at all. Yep. Um, or if you don't want to shop with Amazon, that's fine. Run to Barnes & Noble or go to Barnes & Noble yep. online or uh, where else can they pick it up? Sh- uh, should be anywhere. Look, uh, it, it, it's Knopf, which means, yeah. uh, I mean, that's a, a random house imprint. So a- any bookstore that doesn't actually physically have a copy can order a copy. Nice. Yeah. And an audio book anytime soon? So I don't know about that. I haven't heard. Okay. Um, I think that uh, my agent emailed a couple days ago to say she was going to have a powwow with the editor okay. with no explanation. I assume... These are the kinds of things that I will uh, likely hear through my agent, but I actually don't know yet. This is, you know, I'm just getting into the big publishing world. Well, hopefully there will be an audiobook soon because it sounds like a great opportunity for them to make a great audiobook. So, thank you. I hope so. Uh, with anyways, go buy the book. It's worth the the buy, even if it's just for your kids or for yourself, because it definitely sounds like it's got enough twists and plot turns for an adult to enjoy. And, you know, maybe you buy three copies, one for you and each kid, and you read it t- together as, as a read-along. So Give them to me, your niece and nephew for their birthdays. Yes, birthday <laughs> presents. I support there, books for birthdays. There are, there are Christmas, there's Christmas, there's birthdays, there's just, hey, because you want to get your kid a book. Well, yeah. Or even go ask your local library to pick it up. So, uh, with that said, we're we're out of time. So, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Dan, very much. And Appreciate it. And go pick up the book because you need to. And we'll talk to you later. 
Hey Dungeon Crawlers fans, it's time to really pull out the stops. So, what we want to do is we want you to go like our Facebook page, like, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us on YouTube, and not only that, tell your friends about us. If there is anyone in your life, or even in at your work, that you think loves geek, loves, you know superheroes, comic books, gaming, anything in the realm of geek, tell them about our show. We want to make this the number one hit show out there. We want to uh, let get the news out there. We want our numbers to swell, and we want you and everyone else to join the geek revolution. So tell your friends about us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we want to hear from you. We want this the best greatest and most entertaining interactive show out there you know most podcasts are not going to be delivering what we want to deliver this next year and so far we've had a great year it's all thanks to you and we just want to keep this rolling and make things even more possible we've got some great things in the works uh coming down the pipeline with some amazing interviews and the more people we can get listening to the show liking our pages the more interest we can get and the bigger uh, more entertaining interviews we can get so please 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 help us out with this because we want to bring some amazing content to you and we can't do it without your help so with that said i'm gonna say we're out of here and catch you next time and of course join the geek revolution